Oh, what a sad end to everything. Football nearly brought me some joy for once, and now I have to go back to thinking about Sunderland. Well, at least one of our own, Jordan Pickford, can hold his head up high. Two saves and a final shootout. He's entitled to get the rear on if you ask me. We fucking love you, Charlie White. And fight for the future of the Markhams. Fucking love you, Charlie White. Nothing's going to stop you now. Oh, Charlie Wyke. That's a 31-goal-a-season striker we've all decided is rubbish. We don't need someone to score 31 goals, really. I mean, look at Josh Manger. All he did was score goals. I mean, it's not like when we sold him, we missed his goals, replaced him with a dud, and then the wheels come off our promotion campaign or anything. Anyway, we have a gazillionaire owner now, and after letting about 14 first-teamers leave in a bid to rebuild the squad, I'm sure the search for Wyke's replacement is going just swimmingly. I need another distraction from all this. I'm off to watch some football further down the pyramid. Hello, mate. Welcome to South Shields Football Club. Thanks. I'm here to watch the match and then take some photos before sharing those images on Twitter, all in an attempt to display my four outrage at modern football, and my club, Sunderland, in particular. OK, mate. I've got 2016 on the phone. I want its weird Twitter attention-seeking behaviour back. You'll be playing us in a league derby soon enough, mate. All right, mate. Never known I was going to receive this sort of treatment I went down Hartlepool and showed them my support. Hartlepool? The team one division below you in the league, you mean? You're closer to them in the football pyramid than you are to your beloved rivals, mate. Yeah, yeah, okay, thanks, mate. Ta, aye. Take care, Welcome along to the Wise Men's Say podcast. We are forcing ourselves to get off the Euro talk and not the Sunderland, but we're going to ease ourselves into that. I think we've all decided just before we come on air because <laughs> as Tom Walsh and I'm quoting here, that was good and we are shit or something. I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, it turned from a quote into, into paraphrasing. Uh, yep. What was it you said exactly, Tom? Let us uh, know. I said the Euros was good and this is not going to be good. Okay, so. I just threw a, an X. <laughs> just decided like... Spice it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and um, Craig Clark is with us as well. Hello. Well, I enjoyed doing those Euros pods. They were good it was fun. Good. I nice. enjoyed the Euros. Nice yeah. distraction, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was lovely. Fell short really at, the final, at the final hurdle. Well, after, yeah. after me and you had, had both said, Craig, before the uh, uh, final that we fancied us if we, got, if we got all the way to penalties. We did. And, well, you know... We couldn't have envisaged Rashford, who is a really good penalty taker, hitting the post. And then I don't care what they've done in training. You couldn't have necessarily envisaged a 19-year-old <laughs> who'd not really played a lot of sort of football at the very top level. Like he hasn't played in Europe, much in European competition and stuff, taking the most important penalty of all. Yeah. I thought, you know, that's some good YouTube content over the summer, the, the England camp. And... um it one one one. It kept showing them in like training ground, just having a bit crack and that. And you can tell there's a good team spirit. And, and Saka got wiped out by somebody, and we're all laughing. And then he, when he took his penalty, that was kind of 
straight down the middle and the keeper like, not even straight down the middle just like on the side and the keeper went the other way and they're all like celebrating I thought well that wasn't a great penalty I hope he's not one of the five <laughs> <laughs> not only one of the five the most crucial oh. fifth penalty taker I know you feel for him like don't you oh yeah. of course I'm not, I'm not making fun of him because I thought he had a good tournament he was mm. a, he was one of the uh like sort of best players in, in it's England. It's so team. disappointing because if somebody had said you the start of that shootout, right, your keeper's going to save two. Yeah. Then you think that that we've done enough. That should be enough. That should always be enough. Shouldn't but it? Their, but their keeper's going to save three. Well, oh, no, two. Well, he, he hit the post. Yeah, he sent him the wrong yeah. way when he hit the post, Rashford, didn't he? But the right. thing I mean, is, he, like, yeah. I mean, well, you'd bank on him to score, Rashford, because he is a great penalty taker. He's, he's mm. got a really good record from the spot. Mm-hmm. But overall, like the entire tournament, not just England, I thought was one of the most enjoyable tournaments of uh, recent years. I mean, the layout was a bit weird, obviously, but like as a whole, I thought it was a really enjoyable tournament. That day where we had Croatia 3, Spain 5, followed yeah. by 3-3, France, Switzerland, just you can't, it has never got any better than that as a as spectacles. Um yeah, the Spain-Italy semi-final as well was, that was very good. one of the yeah. great games in tournament football, wasn't it? It was so, like, the quality and the, the way the two teams sort of matched each other up. It was like a great display of, like, coaching and quality footballers who knew what they were doing, knew what the roles were. And, like, Busquets in that game was one of the, like, great sort of individual midfield performances as well. And And then, like, obviously... You had Denmark and everything that happened. It's mad to think, isn't it, that Ericsson had collapsed on the pitch and we were all distraught watching it. And then yeah. they made it all the way to the semis and gratefully he's proven to be okay as well. And just the whole emotion behind that narrative, it's just been a really good six weeks of good football, yeah. good narratives, just everything you want from from football. Like Where do people stand on, on you know, so I've, it's Southgate's, Still seems to be splitting people where some people are saying not he's, he's and you know, something we mentioned before, Craig, like England have always had the players. They've just needed somebody to 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 fine tune it properly and get the best out of them, create an environment, you know, think about your tactics a little bit more than we have done previously. And I think he's done that. Now I'm not saying that there would be wouldn't be other people who could do it if the same, if not better. But then you still get these people who are saying, Well, it's 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 despite Southgate, not because of them, it's because of the players. <laughs> but I've seen better groups of players than this get nowhere near that. Yeah, I mean, I think the only criticism really of in the final, especially, I mean, he has all these good players, but half of them are sat on the bench for yeah. the majority of the game. Yeah. I think that's that's, that's the only like proper like valid criticism you can have of him. Um, but overall, if you if you said after getting beat by Iceland, then you have 2018 semi-finals, 2020 final. Um, everyone, every England fan would take that, wouldn't they? Um, and then who knows? Twenty twenty two, stronger again. N- new players coming through and whatnot. So, mm. and the thing is, normally it's a war, but it's a step up to World Cup. But as as me and you were saying, Craig, I think like the balance of power shifting towards Europe that much. Oh yeah, really? Where you think you know? Very cliched, but Argentina, Brazil, and that's not that you know that's not just a lazy thing to say that it's it's true. They are the best two teams in in that continent by far, and the rest is starting to like you know fall behind a little bit. Maybe Uruguay often put a good team together, don't they, and pull some players out. Mm. I mean, Colombia as well in in Chile, but neither of neither 
Chile haven't had a good team for a while. They're, they're just really aging. Got a Blackburn player yeah. up front for them. Yeah, 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 yeah that's good. And I think wait, Colombia might have done quite well in the Copa. Actually, they might have come third. Um, mm. but I don't think Brazil and Argentina look like vintage classes. The the problem England have got in the next tournament is they won't get a run where they play every game at Wembley bar one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, that, that's my only sort of like, you know, in, in a way I'm like disappointed, disappointed it was at Wembley because I, I'm not sure. I think against Germany, it was definitely a factor, like a massive mm. factor. I'm not so sure in the other games, like, and I think we proved that when we went to Rome and, and you know, put in our biggest win at the I, whole thing. I know, the, you know, the opposition in Ukraine weren't great, but... I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was down to that, really. I don't know. It's like I thought that Denmark semi-final. I thought there was a lot of. It's like especially in the the kind of like break in extra time where the whole stadium was like rocking. Like I've never seen a stadium like like mm. that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they won't get. It. <laughs> they will never get an easier run than yeah. this. They'll have to play better teams than just well a bad Germany team, and. Denmark. I mean, Ukraine were. I think that's the probably the easiest quarterfinal draw I've ever seen of any team get. Because <laughs> you, Ukraine, well, like England, Tom, they go out, they go out Iceland in the second round. Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, it's like I watched. I watched Austria play Ukraine, and, and Austria are not that great a team. They should have won like ten nil. They were terrible. Yeah. Ukraine was so no, bad. They were, yeah, they were a poor team. Yeah, I tell you, the, what I mean about the Wembley run as well is, and I know. Every tournament has a host nation, but other teams don't have to travel to Baku and then yeah. to London to play yeah. a semi-final. You'll never get a set of circumstances where you play all of your games. The furthest you have to travel is Rome from London, which isn't that far. When there are other nations traveling thousands of miles, you're not going to get that again. And France are going to have another run with a really good team. France, have... Have not... France should have exactly. stayed in it. They just cut like, they just had 20 minutes when they switched off. And it's like the the uh, the blitz where they scored all like their two goal two three goals. It was just wonderful football, yeah, and they're not they're gonna, yeah. not going to make a mistake like that again. Well, Spain will be better. Spain oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal by the football, semis, isn't it? Mm. Oh yeah. But this, this but like the thing is, we can get into this reverie of talking about these teams and how good they are, and it just makes the crash of thinking about watching our team <laughs> by comparison. Just it like let's be honest. When you're playing in the Premier League, the quality is probably higher than than international football. Oh yeah, but the drop off to like League One hmm. is mammoth. It's like incredible. We used to watch these tournaments and think about who <laughs> who might we sign from this tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? No chance. No chance. It's also I found it really funny how it's like during was it the day of the either the Ukraine game or the Denmark game, and we were like drawing two all with Spenny Moore. It's just like, uh, <laughs> it's coming back, lads. It's coming back. <laughs> it's coming home, you it's could cool. say. <laughs> oh, dear. End oh, dear. of that. I don't think that phrase should ever be uttered. It needs to be put in the bin, and we need to just go with world in motion at every tournament. <laughs> because because <laughs> like, both, both teams that have knocked England out, Croatia and Italy, have just been saying it back to us. And it's like... I know these nuances and there's been a thousand <laughs> Vice articles. Of, so actually, it doesn't mean what it says. But it's like, if you're from Italy or Croatia or any other nation and you hear English people saying it over and over and over again as if they've already won the competition, 
it is motivation to beat England, oh, no matter what anyone says. I don't says. think people used to get triggered by this stuff as much as they do now. Like, what was Benucci saying at the end? Did Italy need shouting? They are, but did do you really think that 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 added to the motivation of someone like Italy playing in a, in a major final? Yes, uh, you know, it just a uh, wins, of course it a does. Your wins tournaments and gets to the finals regularly. But if you've I got a whole, know. if you're playing in a whole stadium that thinks it's already won, and it's just like. Of course it's good. Of course it's going to win. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. It's a song, man. People play it every tournament, but it's just been the last couple because we're getting far, like further, where now people are starting to say, oh, it's a bit arrogant you're singing that. I can remember every single tournament since the song was released. People just put a playlist on of all England songs, and that's the best one. That's the most catchy one where Euro 96 is one of the tournaments that people think back to fondly. And that's know, the, you know that's all it is in my opinion. I know. Of course, he, like people run away with a phrase that's coming on, don't they? And put and, and like you know dub over videos and stuff like that where you start saying, "Oh, it's coming home, lads!" But it never started out like that. And never, you know, it's it's. I think it's that's just, that's how not much it triggers people. It's, that's it's, not my point though. It's like if you're an opposition team, and this this is the thing. It's like it's going to piss <laughs> you off. But I know I know we all find we know the irony to it, and we all know it's a joke, really. But Leonardo Bonucci didn't think it was a joke. <laughs> I just don't, yeah, I know. I just don't think, you know, give him the extra spring in his step to get up to um, to get on the end of that ball or anything like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's 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 a nice thing for them to say, but I don't know, personally. Well, he just doesn't like Badil and Skinner. He's always famously said that. Bonucci. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. It's uh... <laughs> Never it's, it's hatred for fantasy football team yeah. manifest in that equaliser <laughs> and this penalty. Do you want to talk the fact, about the fact? If anyone, if, if any um, sort of foreign player could like reference Skinner and Badil and mention they used to watch that, would probably the more, be the most niche and bizarre thing ever. <laughs> um, the only thing, the only thing, you know, I, I don't know if anybody else has ever referenced anything similar. I know that um, Zavi used to love Leticia, didn't he? <laughs> when, yeah, when great, he, had that, he had all that all conquering team and stuff, and you think like, "Lo, these are playing on a, you know, still the best international team ever, isn't it?" Surely, in my oh, yeah. lifetime, definitely. And then Zavi's like, "Oh yeah, Leticia, I loved him." And you just because you just think of all, you just think of these coaches being like super fit, and you know the science that went into the game. They were light years ahead of us, weren't they, for years and years? And they've picked somebody who was like fat out of shape, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, and you know, notoriously like lazy, and and didn't get the the big career move that his career or his, his talent probably warranted because mm. because of that. And then here's Zavi, like I oh, he was the best in my <laughs> idol. It's I like great. that. To be fair, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Do you want to it talk is. about Sunderland? No, should we just keep going yeah. with this? The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. For a ten percent discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. Sweatshirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. We have we have reached that point. We've we've had about two weeks away from the Euros now, and it's like we're going to have to face the grim reality that it is. But unfortunately, Sunderland are coming home and we are going to have to play more games again. I think this is why I couldn't even... So I've been so engaged in all these like England podcasts and chatting, getting so hyped up and taking all this information in. And I, I, I kind of do this anyway, but the day after the defeat, I couldn't face any of it for a couple of days. And, me, and I, <clears> I'm not even sure it was because I was as <laughs> so good at we lost in the final. I think it was because I was just putting off 
having to get back to <laughs> my default setting of, um, <laughs> of being a Sunderland fan. And it's, I'm still not there. I was asking you before. I was asking you before, Kim. What have you got the names of these players we've signed? Because, like, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, like, you know, uh, they're all fantastic, say, by the way. Yeah. Well, this is this, this thing. I mean, you know, how many is there now? Three. How many three. are there now? Just the three. Just three. Although, the although the, the lad that is playing left back, Dice, he also signed this summer race. But as a freebie for the under twenty threes, isn't he? Did he come from Burnley? Or is that uh, one? It says here West Brom. Oh well, that isn't even. It's younger who came from Burnley, but a year yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. I always mix them up for some reason. We get on to those two, then we we might as well before we talk about sirens and stuff like that, because we 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 we've seen younger a few times. Um, I know the dice was sort of split in opinion in our group chat with his performance at York. Mm. What do we think? Well, I think. Well, I would say about the first thing I would say about Dice, the raw materials are there. I think people have said that, and I would agree. He looks like he can get up and down the wing. He looks like um, he's not lacking physically. He's got a good size, a good build, but it's some of his positioning and ball plays just nowhere near. And the fact that Johnson wants two left backs if Hume doesn't sign, he wants another left back if Hume does re-sign, and he, that would imply he wants two left backs if Hume doesn't suggests he sees Dice as an under-23 player, which, to be fair, is exactly what he was saying to be. Yeah. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. He needs to work on those things, and he shouldn't have to work on them in the first team, in the vigours of like League One football. And the, the pressure that's going to be on this season, like it has been on every season, the goal is to get promoted, and there can't be any passengers, really. No. And we're not, we're not, I, here, to, no. We're not here to develop... like. The goal is not to develop the under-23 team, which seemed to be the main priority of our transfer window so far. <laughs> I mean, no, no players from our actual academy that we've homegrown ourselves, just a raft of players from all over the country that's going to make Strange, our under-23s though, isn't it? Great. Like, so, so you see, I know exactly, and you're saying, so like we're talking about Dyson. If he, he's probably not going to play because we'll sign better. No. And you're saying well, we'll he, needs to be, he needs to be worked at, Craig, and but the raw materials are there. And then you think, well... You're not going to get that in the under-23s, playing for our under-23s. You need to loan mm. players like that out. <laughs> so you're like signing <laughs> players for your under-23s and then loaning them out, which doesn't seem realistic. So it's well, this, this like is the mad... get stuck sometimes, don't they? This is the mad thing, in it? Because we've, we've loaned Callum Doyle, a 17-year-old from Man City, who in the first two friendlies, the signs are promising. He looks... Like he's got the physicality to play in the league one, but he's also got the ability to play football. Um, so really, these players would be the type of players you'd want to loan in from the Premier League, i.e. under 23s playing in the Premier League. You want to bring them into your team to play in the first team, which we tried to do with Vulcans, for example, and it was a disaster. <laughs> but obviously, it ended up working with Sanderson, who was really good. But when we're signing them to play for our own tw- under 23 squad, it does it when they're like twenty year old. It is a bit of an odd one. Yeah, it's like what? What is the point? Because you're never going to play for this first team, 
So why why are you here? Make is it just up, is, that, is that it? It's just yeah, to, yeah, so yeah. we can fulfill you. You, you needed under twenty three team. Yeah, we don't have any. Like you know, you can't have a repeat of that when they were relying on all the under eighteen team and they like lost every single game. So you just crushed thinking, them, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you, you you're thinking we well, we've got to just try to fill that team up, and then you've got to hope that one of them takes the chance because we've, we've I mean had those stories down the years, haven't we? You know, plenty of people have been released and and, and then work their way back up. So you've got. I can't. That can of, happen. But it's it's more. Look than judgment, that isn't it? It's not that, like you uh, know. It's a mad way to run an academy, though. It's like I had a look the other day, just out of curiosity, because on like the SAFC like under twenty three profile pages, and none of them are our players. Every single no. one of them has been brought from somewhere, and it's like where we have a category one status academy. Yeah, you've all got where are Tom. these players? Oh, well, oh, yeah, <laughs> very true. Well, that's, that's the problem. That yeah. They have been sold. And the other thing is, look, academies are quite low reward systems. Look at look, people always point at John Egan as someone who we released and then has made his way back. Yeah, it took absolutely years. And people always focus on the one sort of one or two successes. So yeah. obviously ignore Pickford and Henderson because they're in another stratosphere. And then you've got people like Waghorn, Callback. Well, they're all, they're most of those are in the same team, Craig. And every now and again, you just do get a generation that's good. So that team that got that, the FA Youth Cup semi-final had Henderson, Waghorn, Egan. Obviously, Pickford was yeah. in there. Um, but, but you know what people Uruhan. don't talk about? Yeah, he was another one. But you know what people don't talk about? The literally tens of other players <laughs> who have done yeah. absolutely nothing. For example, yeah. the one who always there was a massive clamour to play in the first team when we were in the Premier League, was Ryan Noble, who oh, just yeah. just off the face of the earth. Yep, there's another one. So this is a high risk, well, it's a low risk strategy in the sense it costs nothing, but it's also very low reward. The chances yeah. of hitting on a John Egan from Burnley's academy, so we could use Younger as an example there, are quite slim. It, it's not likely to happen. It could happen, but it's not hugely likely. Whereas you, what you tend to do is loan the best players from these academies, like Blackpool did a good job of. Yeah, you only get them for the year. And that's what we're kind of doing with Doyle, hopefully. Hopefully he turns out to be one of those type of players. But signing them on freeze to fill your 23s, yeah, you know, it is low risk, so it's not really a problem. But how many of them are going to play first-team football? Probably not many. Well, he's talking about Doyle. I think we should talk about him since he's like one of the three signings that we've bought. Um, and the second coming, isn't he? Apparently. Well, this is this is what I'm quite <laughs> the this juggernaut. Is, uh, this is what, yeah, this is exactly what I'm worried about. This lad, he's 17, and he looks looks all right, looks tidy on the ball. And I mean, we're basing this off two two games so far, and I don't. And people are already going mad for it. Like it's fine when like fans do it, but like the club like label him a juggernaut on Instagram. It's like he might very well be a juggernaut in the <laughs> months to come, or he could get roasted by Charlie Wyke on the opening day, and we never see him again. Or like it's just this fine balance with players like that are so young, never played against well men really. And I just don't want to put too much pressure on someone who could be our only senior defender if rumours of Bailey Wright and Tom Flanagan being told to leave if they if they find a bid like are to be believed. So yeah, and he, actually no, he's the only senior uh, 
centre back or like defender in general because we have no other players. And well, just... that is a problem. <laughs> Younger would be the other centre half. Now, Younger <sighs> is older than Doyle, but a lot Younger older. he couldn't get in the team last season when we were playing on nine centre back. Now, okay, you could say he's had a bit longer to develop. He deserved a how shot, much? Though, didn't he? Well, he did. But why, they didn't use him, and that is quite revealing, in my opinion. It's not like Dan Neal, who's 18-19. He looks the part, and he should be getting a game. Yeah. This, this is very different. As Tom pointed out, Younger isn't someone we've brought to our academy. He's someone we've brought in from elsewhere. They were very reluctant to use him when we had two midfielders in defence. So they <laughs> wouldn't even play him at right back. That... that some managers do this. Some managers do this, or doesn't it? I know you're saying like, does it? Doesn't always tell you though, because some managers just refuse to to put young players in, and maybe we've got one of those. Because all we can go off is what we've seen of now. Every time I've seen younger players look fine to me, and and, and most of that he's been playing out of the position of right back. Well, I think we all agree he's not right back, but he's not been terrible there. He's put us assured performance in as plenty of other people I've seen play a right back. And like you say, when all nine was playing centre half, sometimes is it a lack of bottle from the manager to, to, to how bad could he have been against some of those teams well, we play against? But the, the, the point I'm making, Steve, isn't so much whether I think he should or should. I think he should have been playing centre half because all nine isn't one and we were playing max power at right back. But the manager, whatever, whether it was the guy's age, whatever it was, wasn't going to play him. My point or question is, we've basically got Doyle, Wright, who we're going to, I think we should talk about Lee Johnson's comments on Wright, which were very bizarre. Um, <laughs> um, and then we've got Flanagan, who, you know, we've got enough data on him to use that very in vogue term. We know he's got loads of errors <laughs> in him. So would anyone be that bothered if he left? No. You've got, then you're left with Younger, who he didn't want to play literally three months ago, four months ago. Why would he suddenly want to play him at centre-half yeah. now? That's my point. That, wait, if he's, will, he's, he's playing Flanagan centre-back in the friendlies, if it's true that they want rid of Flanagan, he still thinks he's better than Younger, yeah. even if they well, want maybe rid Maybe this was the plan all along. <laughs> and, we, and I'm going to get rid of all these players because I mean, where would have you felt if, like, so you know, think about the end of last season and, and, like, you know, these players are out of contract and there was a long list of players there and all these first teamers and we're saying, you know what, these guys have had a few goals at it now and I don't think they're going to do it. I'd probably release him, 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 and him, and most of the ones who did get released are the ones fans would have went along with. Absolutely. Oh, Were yeah. we expecting these guys to be replaced at any point? Yeah, this is, oh, this that, is the, that's the point. Always the, always the, the grand point. plan always to just know the kids are going to replace them and I didn't have the bottle to play them, but now I'm going to have to play them because they're good enough. Well, this is this is what we said at the time. It's like we were happy for all these players to leave because, as you said, they've had three years to get, out, get us out of the division. They failed. So, yeah, by all means, thank you very much, but on your way. The caveat to that being... You have to bring the, the players in. Don't just release 13 players and bring three in. So, I mean, <laughs> with two weeks to go to the season, I mean, I don't think it's the most drastic thing of saying that I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, I get every I, uh, these like two trains of thought that everyone, you know, we should calm down, you know, we should just relax and all this. Whereas like, our, which will be our rivals for whatever playoffs or, or my, you see them bringing in, uh, a raft of players settling their squads within good time and I'm just waiting for the 
for like the excuses within about three weeks to the into the season saying that we have to let the new players bed in and all this crap. And it's just like, well, you've had all summer. You can't blame the Euros or like market stagnation or anything like that. You, How is it only stagnating for us? Yeah, it's, that, it's that, fine. That excuse never washed with me when we were a Premier League team, never mind the League One. The Euros thing was bizarre. It was like, why does that affect us bidding on someone from Exeter? Like, what what difference does that make? If we have the money, uh, allegedly, if we have the money, go out and just buy them. Well, isn't there this idea that, oh, you know, the, the Premier League clubs are filling their squad with youth players until, but I, I'm sorry, but a manager doesn't think like that. He doesn't think I'm not going to let this player who's not good enough, for, who's nowhere near, because let, let's be honest, the players we'd be looking at in the divisions above aren't good enough for those no. teams. So they're not looking at our players saying, he's not good enough for this team, but I'm going to, I'm going to just wait until we bring someone in because in most cases, they aren't first-teamers. And we, we've not been shy to let bloody people leave. We've told two centre-halves they can leave, apparently. <laughs> so we, we're, not saying, you know, we, we're not saying, no, you can't, you can't go anywhere until this market sorts itself out. But it's also, Nonsense. why are we relying on the Premier League? We don't buy our pre- players from the well, Premier exactly. League. We buy them from other teams in this division and cast-offs from the Championship <laughs> or players that you heard of about five years ago and you can't believe they're actually still playing. Like... <laughs> Corey Evans. <laughs> well, so I, I think well, Eric Lehigh never happened. Which Eric, uh, yeah. could still, could still. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't seem like it. I mean, at the time, I thought, well, so so much for a new dawn. And I, I'm not trying to be hugely negative here, but you can read anything a Blackburn fan has to say about Corey Evans, and you can watch him in his first game, which was albeit only a friendly. And you can look at Carl Winchester, who we signed in January, and. I just don't understand, unless they're both on less money than the outgoing players, what difference it would have made not signing those and retaining two of the ones that we already had. They're just the same type of player. We've talked about and talked about and talked about for years and years and years about the need for a physical dominant central midfielder, the need for pace, like proper pace, not people who are a bit nippy on the ball, someone who can stretch teams. Once again, where's the evidence that that's, what we're trying to sign. There's very little of it. You also can't have it both ways. You can't be peddling this idea. Like you say, Tom, that if it's market stagnation and it's all this stuff about transfers after the Euros and then that means the use players become available on loan. If we've made four bids for an exit or right back, that isn't anything to do with that. It's totally separate. Also, if we've made four bids and the fourth one's the one that's been come public, now... You know, I'm not one to get into conspiracy theories or anything, but it's on a Friday afternoon. We've signed nobody this week. Oh, this suddenly appears. The first three bids didn't, but the fourth one has. Yeah. Is is somebody letting this out because there's murmurings? We've, this has happened throughout the Madrox run of owning the club. Yeah. Leaks, leaks all the time to keep fans sedated and stuff. And I'm not saying we won't sign the kid. To be honest, with the players we have signed, or have we might sign? He fits much more the model of what I would suggest we should be looking at, and that's I would the kind be quite of happy with. That's the kind yeah. of player we should be looking at. That kind of that kind of age range had a um, quite a productive season in League Two last uh, last season from a team like Exeter. Are always like a, a, a pretty well run club in recent years. They've got they always do quite well in League Two. Like usually, usually end up bottling it in the playoffs. But like they produce. <laughs> They produce good players like the um, like just off the top of my head that um, Ampadu, who was yeah. at um, ended up at Chelsea and now it is at 
somewhere. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that age range of like, you know, 21 up and coming player, that's, that's the kind of player we should be looking at. I mean, trajectory upwards. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Not 30 year olds with <laughs> yeah, I mean, average 22 games a season. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not too bad if you have a player like Corey Evans and Alex Pritchard, who I'm convinced is probably never going to play for us. Um, but you, you have these kind of players as well as these younger yes. players. It's fine. Like when we had, you know, like players like Ledbitter that are there to kind of guide the younger players into the team. It's just a bit disconcerting that you buy all your like, you, you know, your squad filler right at the beginning and you don't yes. bring the, you don't bring the better players until late. But as we're saying about this, uh, lad, uh, Josh Key, is it called? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But as we were saying before you came on, Craig, it sounds like we're doing the same thing of our usual, our great transfer negotiations during the Madrox era of lowballing these teams like straight away and then end up, end up having our pants pulled down by someone like Exeter. So, I Low mean, ball it's fine as long as you get a good deal. Yeah, but what you, what you don't we're want not to good at that. Down. Yeah. We're not good yeah. at that, are we? Can you remember when we, can you remember when we did it with Will Grigg? Yeah, that it worked great, well. that, didn't it? Yeah, it was a <laughs> fantastic <laughs> bit of business. I suppose, <laughs> like, we, I think we should go back any, to the any, any agent who's, who, anybody who's been trained to be an agent should be sure that video. Um, it must be so, <laughs> of, of so easy to negotiate with us. Yeah, and just say, you know, this is what you want from your football club, and this is not what to do when you're negotiating yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think we should we should go back to the to Bailey Wright for a Academic minute. Academic reference. I, I found <laughs> I found <laughs> the uh, the comments that Lee Johnson made about him really weird in the sense that the board haven't seen the best of him. So yeah, is he that's... saying? I want to keep him, but because the, the implication that I drew from the comments were basically Wright's very injury prone. He's probably on pretty good money. Yeah. And to be honest, it's actually a good move. If he's on good money and your return of games is low, then yes, the data, that is where data is useful. You're overpaying for what you're getting in terms of minutes on the pitch. But if your manager's basically say, putting out a public cry for help, <laughs> because he doesn't seem to want him to leave because, like you said, Tom, we've got nothing else, <laughs> then that is a bit of a problem. Yeah. And it does suggest a bit of a disconnect. Now, if Bailey Wright leaving meant we could bring in a couple of players like someone like this, Josh Josh Keyes, uh, and others of that ilk, great. But you also don't want to go from a situation where you've got some senior pros at the back where you usually want older heads yeah. to having a 17-year-old, a 21-year-old, and then what, bring in other young... You need a bit of experience at the back as well. Yeah. So it's, there's got to be a balance. We just, the thing is with this um, Doyle, like it's, if he is like the next incarnation of Johnny Evans, then that would be ace. That would be ace. But we just don't know. And you no. can't, we can't make... Uh, we can't make a judgment and call him a juggernaut after he's played 45 minutes against, you know, newly promoted hearts. And like, again, he, he played well against York, but these aren't tests. These aren't teams we're going to be playing. It's like, I think uh, in our group chat, we thought it was a bit odd that we didn't really have like a challenge from a higher league in our pre-season schedule. I saw MK Dons play Coventry the other day and won 7-1. Holy <laughs> guess, haven't we? 
I mean, Hull, Hull. But it's just well, like just they, gone up. they were just with us. Yeah. Like they yeah. weren't that much better than us. It's not like we're, I don't know, say for instance, like a team like Blackburn or Preston or someone yeah. from the someone like from the kind of even top Middlesbrough. Part. Yeah, God, imagine remember how that. that would be. <laughs> remember when we played them? That that weird money spinning attempt, and we had to. Didn't the game get abandoned yeah. or something? Because the weather, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hilarious. Oh, yeah. People oh, were demanding their money back and stuff. The, the halcyon days at the beginning of the Madrox, either that. Yeah, was. a tenner. Everyone was demanding a tenner back. Bizarre, bizarre. Oh, I forgot but, about that. Good times. I know. Well, fantastic times. <laughs> <laughs> but. The other, the other weird thing is, the other thing is, of course, if, if the reason that, that, you know, again, like I would agree, you should look to offload players who are being paid too much for what they actually offer in terms of minutes. It, it can only suggest to me that Evans and Pritchard have come on pretty good deals for us financially because their careers suggest they won't start a lot of games for Sunderland. Now, when it comes to Pritchard, in some ways, I don't mind that because Embleton has really impressed in preseason yeah. and will play in the same position as him. If he's not well, likewise, but well, yeah, that's exactly if, it. It's like if he gets sold, any... it's a criminal. It's criminal. But I, I do, I worry. It's like the way we've been run in the past since we've been in League One. Any any offer comes in. Any like monetary offer, bam, they're gone. And I know yeah. we have this millionaire owner and whatnot, billionaire owner, or whatever. But the people are still there who used to run this football club. They're still there. There's a member of them on the board. So it'll be, once again, say if anything, like a six-figure sum comes in for Embleton, well, he's not going to be, he's going to be gone, isn't he? And we... quite, that whole Embleton thing is so ironic, man. It's like, it's like, you know, we want to loan him out because he's not quite ready for our first team. I know Blackpool's in the same division as us, but they're not really our equal, are they? You know, it's Blackpool, <laughs> so we'll lend him out. He'll go and get... Um, valuable first team experience they get promoted and they're like <laughs> put a bid in for them can't do anything a, a better team than us want them yeah do you know it's, what i mean yeah. it's insane it's incredible isn't it in hindsight <laughs> that was an absolutely mental decision and we kept if he stays if he stays it wasn't i guess because he's he's went and played no. for a team better than us so like you know but it, it, when you look at it we kept jack diamond because he scored two goals against lincoln and looked like we had found someone who could stretch teams with pace. We went out in January and brought in Jordan Jones on loan who could do the same thing, but a bit better. But we let Embleton go. And we, I mean, look, I'm not going to rewrite history here. I've been pretty critical of Embleton because he's always injured. And whenever he's played for Sunderland, he's not really impacted games. But other people have made the fair counter, which is he hasn't had a run of games. And that is true. So the, the thing would be, even with Pritchard coming in, he deserves a run of games, and so does Dan Neal. Yeah. They are academy graduates, like Hume, like Gooch, like Honeyman, who's obviously left and was replaced with George Dobson, who was <laughs> a really good bit of business. The, the academy graduates have consistently been the best players we've had, aside from players like Lee Catamull, who were just way too good for the level. Josh Madger was obviously the shining light of all of those. But then you've got Diamond, who to me looks about a step or two below those. But he can mm. offer you something off the bench. I don't mind him being involved next season. What my concern is, there are players now who are looking like they might have to play because we haven't brought anyone in, who are probably levels below Diamond, yeah. who aren't from our academy. And like some of the players we were bringing on as substitute against York, there's no way they can be involved. No, I've said, in, in the, the first team. 
one of the lads I think someone in the group chat was like who on earth is that <laughs> and it's like that might have been me and I'm still not sure who it was <laughs> it was that lad is it like oh he's from Geisley right yeah okay. oh yeah that... what, what was his name again sorry Na- I can't Nathan Newell that Nathan was it Newell, sorry yeah. yeah I honestly didn't know who the guy was no offense like to him like no no term. no <laughs> yeah. he could, from, from Mike <laughs> Newell but, like I'm, I'm sorry but like Someone like Josh Hawks, people are dying to see him get a chance. And I've got nothing against him being involved in the first-team squad. And I'm not reading any... Just like you shouldn't be calling Callum Doyle a juggernaut because he's played well in friendlies. You shouldn't be writing players off because of friendlies. But you can get an idea of the level they're at. Doyle looks like a player who can play first-team football, right? Yeah. Josh Hawks came on, looks like he needs more game time to see if he's any good or not. Because you could. he didn't touch the ball. He had no impact. But then you look at some of the others, like that Newell and maybe Kenton Richardson, the right back. They just don't look really like they they should be anywhere near a League One team yet. No. You can work that out from a friendly. Yeah, that, that's think... quite concerning. I think if you're going to be concerned, that's that's that is worrying. No, it's not. Oh, are these players good enough or not to make a promotion run? It's like, are they actually good enough to play football in this division? Mm. Full stop. I'm not sure whether they are. I'd say another. Uh, I know. I know we're doing a lot of concerns at the moment, um, but uh, up front, it's like, mm. how do you? I know. Yeah, I know. I, every, I know. Everyone's said that Charlie Wyke is rubbish now, and you know, <laughs> scoring thirty-one goals in a season is actually bad. Um, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I mean, like Ross, just going into a season with Ross Stewart and he had no Craig, basically. And Greg, Greg, yeah. who has some kind of there's some kind of witch's curse that he can never score a goal in Sunderland, <laughs> like that does not that's not encouraging. And it's like we didn't score many goals last season, and it's like, and we can't keep relying on you know 35 year old Aidan McGeady as much as I love him and I think he's been an excellent servant to us and he will produce the goods again this season. It's like you can't be all him just crossing balls in hoping. Stewart scores and we saw like bef- before like towards the end of last season like people just like writing Stewart off saying he was crap I mean you know present company excluded <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Stewart in my opinion he's played really well in the friendlies he looks really mobile he looks quick and he looks like a handful yeah. I think him Neil and Embleton have those three have stood out for me as players who I think should be starting games. If we're bringing someone like Corey Evans in, it should be to play alongside someone like Dan Neal, not to stop Dan Neal getting first-team football. Absolutely. He is the, the way he receives the ball is exciting because he just rolls players. Mm. He lets the ball go past him. Sometimes he makes misplaced passes, but they're actually like adventurous forward passes and stuff. Like He should be starting games in League One. He's good, good enough to play him. Well, <laughs> you know, the day you want, a, is, you, want a, you want a three yard pass and your pass completion uh, rates through the roof. <laughs> but so, but the way to go back to the point about Stuart, the of course the uh, the original day of the signing, oh, um, yeah. injured for three months, for, of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he he does look a handful and he does look good, but I'm not sure he looks like he's going to be as clinical as White. And this is a White who was not very clinical for two years at Sunderland, but 
I think you might get if you know Stewart might score you fifteen goals. That would be an excellent return when you look at his yep. history. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant. He might get you that because he looks he looks decent. But like you say, Tom, he's also had an injury while he's at Sunderland, and if he picks up another one, well, O'Brien, he's, he just hasn't scored goals for Sunderland. I, I quite yeah. like O'Brien, mm. but he's another one who's going to occupy that position that Pritchard's been signed to play. Or Embleton would like to play. You've got a lot of players to play that second striker kind yeah. of attacking midfield role. And none of them are really added the thing that we've said we're missing, which is the physicality and pace. Stewart offers that, to be fair, but not many others seem to be offering it in the in the signings we've made. We need to add that. We have to do that in the next few weeks. We just well, have to. There needs to be one, maybe two more strikers, I think, just to give us a bit of variety in going forward. Because as we found towards the end of last season, play like teams worked out, you stop McGeady, you're going to stop probably mm. them scoring. And we need to get away from that tactic, which has been a tactic for nearly two years now. Um, and every every say, every time people say we should get away from it, we give them a new contract or keep putting them back on the no, team. I, after, I don't, after I don't freezing them out. No, but I don't think McGeady is the issue. No, it's, I know, I know what you mean. No, you're McGeady, right. It's I not know. McGeady's yeah, fault yeah. that he's great. Yeah, and, he's, and that it, 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 it's it's and the freeze to the point where it's like I'm just going to give it to him now. Yeah, because because there's nobody else to do anything, or I don't know what I'm doing, and there's no yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Yeah. There's just so many players that need signing, and it's, and this is why I don't understand this kind of, this mentality. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm really chilled about how the season's going to go. It's like, it's it's okay to be like concerned. You know, you're, you're you're following the wrong sport and the wrong club if 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 you're just going to take emotion out of everything and think that you're not going to be concerned that we let yeah. nine first team players leave. Three come in, and the the whole data thing. I mean, it's kind of jumped the shark in a way. The conversations about <laughs> the bloody data signings and stuff, but they've pushed that on us, not the other way around. So they have come yeah. out. They have they have deliberately picked their times to come out and say, "This is the message we want to deliver to fans. This is the way we're going down. This route we're going down." And we might still, and nobody will love it more than me if four or five players come in next week who are all data signings and yeah. on the right cre- the trajectory's going on the right way on their career. Um, but the fact of the matter is, two weeks before the start of the season, if you look at the players we've brought in and let go, you would look at the players we've brought in so far and say, that's not any different from what we do every season. Yeah. Well, and you, the players we've could... let go are first teamers and we brought three yeah. in. So you, you're right. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's not like, a, I quite like the idea of like data-driven signings and it's worked for teams like like Brentford, for example, is the prime example. And I like that kind of approach. It's it's different, but we want, I want to start seeing kind of the, the fruits of it, you know, like left field signings and why this player is going to play in this position. Players like Pritchard and Corey Evans, as players we've been signing for the past 20 years, these diminutive midfielders, that don't really do anything. They don't. They don't have pace. They don't have like proper power in the middle of, uh, middle of the park, and they don't drive us forward. I just want to see some more signings, even if it's off data or whatever, that are more like this. It's like we've not had like a like pace in the team for as long as I can remember, and this is the perfect opportunity to do it. And. Maybe they should put that into the chart or whatever. Well, t- 
data, data is a great thing, right? You can use the word data, but people, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what that means. Data, to me, that's the stuff that they'll be looking at is the kind of thing I said about right. So I, I listen to a lot of stuff about NFL, and analytics is huge in NFL, but not for every team. And the teams that get it right do stuff like you sign a player to a contract that's commensurate with what you get from that position and what they bring to the team in terms of number of games played and stuff, which is one of the reasons, like I say, right might get let go. So when you're talking about making signings based on data, you can't really judge and say what we've done is based on that because you don't know what they're getting paid. You don't know what the analytics they're looking at. You know, they should have a list of kind of players in each position and they're looking at them because they've got certain attributes. They think they can get them for a certain fee and potentially sell them on for more money. Well, people like Corey Evans and Pritchard aren't in that bracket because they're at the end of their careers, not the beginning. And they also, the data suggests that they don't play a lot of games from the start. So they're more what you would call salvage jobs. Yeah. You're, being, you're hoping you're going to be the club that gets that 35, 40 game a season out of them. Do Sunderland do that? Bailey Wright suggests not. He came with an injury record. He's continued to have an injury record at the club. That might change. You never know. The fact is we're quite well stocked, relatively speaking, in the positions those two players have come in. They, as you said, Tom, they're absolutely fine additions if you build around it with people like Dan Neal, Elliot Embleton, yep. other signings that fit that kind of criteria, that kind of profile. The fact is the guy that we've been linked to from Exeter is the first one I've seen any link do that's anything like that. The rest have all been 30-year-olds, there's nothing like, wrong with 30-year-olds. I'm 35. But in a football, yeah. <laughs> well, in a footballing sense, those are players who are at the other end of their career. They're coming to the end of it. They're not going to be signed on a permanent deal and sold for a profit. It's highly unlikely. Also, every other club with any kind of sensors using data analytics now doesn't mean you get it right. There are nah. things like getting it wrong. It's about process. Are we using the right process? We've taken ages to make three sign-ins. That's mm-hmm. not good process. Doesn't matter what way you look at it. That is bad process. Well, let's let's go on. F- final thoughts before we go on, Tom. You're gonna you're gonna come in there. We're shite. We'll always be shite. <laughs> How I, was gonna say, I was gonna say there are still going some positive. positives though. Yeah, no. now, Embleton and Neil, for yeah. example. I really think they're massive positives. And yeah. Doyle looks like he could be. And and like I say, you know. You know, the club could have four ready to drop. Do you know what well, I mean? Exactly. Like Something like that. Then brilliant. That'd be fantastic. Then yeah, all, exactly. all our concerns <clears throat> are like you know dissipating. It's just or postponed, Tom. Or postponed, <laughs> postponed until <laughs> until about ten minutes into the Wigan game and we're two 0 down. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the positives as well is just like we can go again. Fans can go again. Yeah, so yeah. massive. That'll be, be fun. No, well. I mean, I can't because I'm not allowed into onto Plague Island. So you can all enjoy <laughs> it, but I can't. Um, you say enjoy it. I mean, like enjoy you say, but in it. ten minutes, yeah, enjoy, yeah. enjoy the day. Right. <laughs> Look, we've we'll we'll be back maybe two shows next week. Now that that that's us, um, possibly back in the groove. Um, let's hope some silence can come in so we can. We can talk about them because I'm not sure we're going to do two shows just to reflect on friendlies. I mean, we didn't even really mention the friendly apart from well, the fallback situation at the start. Can concerns that have been raised now are still valid even if we sign four players on Monday? 
because mm-hmm. we still signed them with less than a fortnight until the yeah, first game yeah. of the season. But at the same time, if they all fit this profile, even if they don't work out, like the, the exit of right back, say they signed him on Monday, even if he turned out to be shit, that's fine. The process was correct. Yeah. That's what we've got to be getting behind, the right process. The problem is the players that we're signing just don't seem to fit that yet. I just want to be, when we come to do like a preview show before the Wigan game, then things are a bit more optimistic and we've got these, just got more players in place and there's a bit like, you know, cohesiveness of the team. And it just looked like we have a squad because at the moment we don't have a squad. And that's why we don't have a first team. We've got a cracking under 23s. But (laughs) I just, that's why... That's why we have voiced a lot of concerns and why we're not as relaxed as some others might be. Yeah, and tell you what, though, or not a lot to ask. Or nine will be back in at right back, and until further notice, he will be playing there. Oh, I was trying to go out on a nice positive uh, no, note. No, there, no, Craig. You just, you no, Craig, we could we could go on all night here. We'll, we'll see. It's better than play, it's better than playing Carl Winchester there. At least he is someone who can play right back fairly yeah. adequately. He'd be fuming with that one. That'll be one of the bloody things that he he made them guarantee when he was just thinking about the new contract we offered. Don't play me there again. Don't. It's like before before the team sheet goes out the next game, he'd be like, right, so right back and all nine. Look, thinking, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Do we think he's like going to be captain? Do we think he's going to be captain? He should. He shouldn't be. It should be. It should be I wouldn't have a problem with either of those two personally. Oh, one last It'll thing. Be... One one positive thing before go on, we go. Right, on. I've got one right. last thing. This is it. We're going out. All right. Okay. Now. Come on. All right. All right. <clears throat> the kits are very nice. They are. Ah, uh, I don't really like them, oh, especially the home one. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that home. Craig, kit. can you just learn? The colours terrible. Like I've been having this conversation with kids today. You've got to learn. <laughs> you've got to learn when not to back chat and not to have an answer for everything. <laughs> I'm just on a wind up there, man. You should have just said just that. on a wind up, man. Right, cause you are. Right, okay. Just finish We're... with two words, Dan Neil. There you go. Yeah. The, the Be great Dan home. Neil. Love, love Dan Neil. Absolutely obsessed with him now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Are you going to put in that monologue as well? 